Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, welcome back, everybody. I'm going to get right to it here. A number of things that I want to bring up at the very top of this, just to kind of run through a few things from last week that I didn't get to. Uh, first of all, there, of course, was the Project Veritas video from Pfizer, and then you know a balloon found its way into the sky, and everybody got distracted from the fact that the uh, shots are killing people and making people barren and sterile and infertile. So there's that. It's, uh, it's not shocking to us, of course. We knew that that's what the shots did. We knew that, and suspected anyway, it was going to be that way in 2020. We knew it in 2021 as soon as people started saying miscarriage, 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 and then there you go. So that video has been making the rounds. My suggestion to Project Veritas is a rather simple one. I've said this on Gab. I'll say it here. They would do well to find someone else who can spill the beans on what's going on and, again, do their best to make that more public again. You know, getting these these sound bites from these homosexual dates from a sodomite who happens to be a medical doctor is fine and dandy, but getting it from other people is going to, you know, it's going to have more of an impact also because it's very easy to just discredit one particular person. And we know that that's exactly what the brainwashed left always does. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll even attack their own and eat their own tail because that's just what the liberal snake does all of the time. So find someone else if you can, if you haven't already, air those as much as you can. And again, Project Veritas doesn't give a damn what I think, but uh, I would stay away from the low-hanging fruit. You've heard me criticize them for again picking low-hanging fruit on particular stories. Oh look, you know, we caught a leftist school teacher saying leftist things. Weird. Let's get him fired. That's low-hanging fruit. The Pfizer thing, that's that's much much bigger. That's much bigger. So stick with that as much as you can. Ooh, the media lied about something weird. Yeah, we know. We know. Stick with the medical stuff. The medical stuff will bring down that house of cards and certainly contribute to it. So that's my two cents, not that they care, but uh, there you go, unsolicited advice. Uh, the next thing, Damar Hamlin. Damar Hamlin, if he's alive, and those aren't deep fake videos, he put out a, <laughs> it's just so dumb, you can't even make it up, he put out this stupid video that I hope has gone nowhere. And I, I, I certainly feel like it's gone nowhere because. I haven't seen anybody replicate it, let alone make another video about it, thank God. But he put out another video basically saying that he's challenging three people, and what is this going to sound like? He's challenging three people to do three things. Again, the numerology and him being the number three, whatever, it's, it's stupid. But either way, he wants people to... Learn how, learn how to conduct CPR, donate to some CPR organization, American Heart Association or whatever the hell, and then challenge three people to do the exact same thing. And he claims that he wants to challenge the GOATs, the greatest of all time. Uh, who was it? Jesus. Tom Brady. Uh, I don't know. Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama, something like that. Of course, M M Michelle Obama's a dude, but whatever. You know, it's something dumb like that. Point is, it's the ice bucket challenge all over again, and it's equally as stupid, if not dumber. 
So there's that. Just wanted to kind of get that off my chest. I, I saw that and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. The ice bucket challenge, I've been over it at length on this show, you know, years ago when, when this show first started. That was one of the dumbest, dumbest things I've ever seen people engage in. And I, I've got copious amounts of stories of me in public spaces listening to people talk about how they're going to do the ice bucket challenge. Oh, I can't wait to do it. It's going to be so much fun. I'm saying to myself, you're being used. It's a social experiment. It's a social conformity experiment and a money laundering operation, and you're being used. Go home, read a book, and shut the hell up. And just stop. Stop with all these societal games. I'll, I'll tell you this, too. This is hilarious. I have a cousin who I don't talk to anymore because he's an asshole, but, uh, and, he, and I just, you know, I, what, whatever. I mean, we kind of grew up around each other from time to time, saw each other like once a year. Uh, again, I haven't seen him since I was probably like, I don't know, 19 years old, somewhere in there. Anyway, um, he's a school principal and he did the ice bucket challenge and there's a YouTube video of him doing it. And, uh, he doesn't look in, he doesn't look enthusiastic. He doesn't look like he wants to do it, but he does it anyway. It, you know, it doesn't surprise me. These non-thinking people always engage in these social experiments and these social things because they're non-thinking people. They don't stand alone by themselves. They, they're easily coerced. They give in to peer pressure easily. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to add. It's just dumb. And the DeMar Hamlin thing is even dumber. So there you go. Uh, let's see. The next thing. Dr. Robin McCutcheon got back to me. And uh, the Marshall student who passed away seemingly from the jabs, although we don't know the exact cause of death, but we can guess, can't we? Ironically enough, it was a male student who was an education major, a secondary education major, I believe a junior, if I'm not mistaken. So there you go. Uh, no update there, but like I said, these university presidents are going to be issuing these kinds of letters on a constant basis if they even choose to do it. Because issuing these letters again is going to be so frequent, they're probably going to say, wait a minute, we need to stop doing this. In fact, I'm certain that university presidents have probably already made the decision internally to not send out notices or letters of any kind that anyone on their campus has died, including a staff member. Maybe it's just a quick, you know, so-and-so passed away from a brief illness or whatever excuse they'll use, but I'm shocked that they're even considering putting out these letters because all it does is shine an even bigger light on them and their actions. And again, uh, yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. And again, you've heard me say school boards are in the exact same position. They have no idea what's coming, what's currently going on, and what they've already done in the past and how that's going to lead to their downfall. Because when people wake up out of these trances that they're in, and they recognize who is advocating for the mask wearing, the jab taking, all of it, those people are going to be angry when they wake up out of their trance, and they're going to come for people. They just are. They're going to get angry, and they are going to come for all of the socialites and elected officials and people in the public eye who are advocating for people to take the jabs. That's assuming that, again, they wake up out of their trance and put two and two together. 
But there you go. Just wanted to reiterate that one more time and, and bring up the Marshall thing. Okay. Uh, let's see. Gosh, I have a ton of stuff here. Where to, where to begin? Um, I do want to make this correction. I'll, I'll, I'll do this right off the top, and then I'll, it'll lead me into uh, Simone Gold once more yet again. The pinata that just keeps producing, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, I made a reference to a guy in the last episode w with the name Mac. And I said that this was the guy at the White Coat Summit who came out and screamed at everybody and screamed, you know, told us all to shut the hell up and whatever else, and is the head of uh, Simone Gold's security or something like that. I got that, that's not the guy's name. The Mac guy is not uh, who I was thinking of. That apparently is a board member. It's not this particular guy who was, you know, the head of her security. Uh, his name has slipped my mind. I can see his face in my, in my head, but he was the guy who was at the very beginning of the last Simone Gold quote unquote press release, that Zoom call that she had that you heard me talking about in a previous episode. He was, he was the guy who was at the very beginning of that. Um, again, runs the security and, and handles the paperwork allegedly for Simone Gold and whatever else. So that's the person that I was referencing, not not the Sheriff Mac guy. Okay, uh, speaking of AFLDS and Simone Gold too, a couple of things, a number of things actually, and then I have something that I want to read too from AJ. AJ sent me something that was very, very interesting. Um, they've completely redone their website. It's totally different. They've completely scrubbed Simone Gold's last press release, that video, again, that I was commenting on, previous, on, on a previous episode. I, I can't find that video. That could be my search skills are poor, but it was on their website previously before they completely redesigned the entire thing and changed everything. They even have, and this is really embarrassing, and you've got to see it because it's just terrible. <laughs> I can't help but laugh, actually. It was really, it's really bad. They have John Strand in front of a camera reading the news and reading like particular headlines on particular things. Again, it's it's just really, really embarrassing. They're they're trying to paint him now as being some kind of a news anchor slash journalist, whatever. It's terrible. You know, the just the sheer Optics of the whole thing imply a direct cover-up. This guy was, you know, claims to be the the creative director behind AFLDS, but at the same time, Simone Gold says, "Well, I'm the one who comes up with all the ideas, and I'm the greatest in the world." And blah blah blah. It it makes absolutely no sense. So there's that. I just wanted to bring that up briefly. Um, Renette Sunum was kind enough to respond to a few of my posts on her Substack. And a couple of comments that I made regarding a few things regarding this whole Simone Gold thing. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, she also linked this particular, uh, another substack, which, uh, which is titled Whoistic, and it's written by Stephanie Braille, if I'm saying her name right. And it is titled AFLDS Scam? Question mark. Gold Care, Health, and Wellness. LLC was quote unquote voluntarily dissolved on January 6th of 2023. And then the subtitle is Gold Care also fragrantly violates HIPAA regulations protecting patient privacy 
while advertising it as a positive thing. Alex Berenson, move over. Simone Gold is in the house. Uh, it's, it's lengthy, but this woman has the receipts. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, does a serious deep dive on, uh, on Simone Gold and the LLCs that she has and the trademarks and this, that, and the other. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, without a doubt. But the gold care thing, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. It seems like a giant scam. And again, when she was on Kate Daly's show last summer, Simone Gold was, when she was on there, at the end, you know, she basically just said, get on goldcare.com and look up goldcare.com. I immediately did, and it didn't even exist. And then again, she openly stated in that same interview with Kate Daly that if you're donating to AFLDS, you're donating to me. And if you donate to me, you're donating to AFLDS. I mean, she's telling people the money's going right to her. So anyway, it's a huge article, very lengthy, very interesting. And again, they've got the receipts of everything, which is incredible. Connects a lot of dots. So give that a look up if you're interested. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Okay. I have this also, and again, this is what AJ sent me. He sent me a huge text thread from some people that he was chatting with regarding Simone Gold. Uh, one of them is an individual who supports Simone Gold, but even points out some of the hypocrisy with some of the things that she does in XYZ. One of the things first, before I read this, is AJ was telling me last week, basically, that that same friend who pretty much supports her. I'm going to do my best to, to summarize it just from memory here, but he said that his friend was sitting at a table with Simone Gold back, I want to say, in 2021, uh, maybe 2022, somewhere in there in California at some conference. And he straight up asked her about people losing money. And, uh, you know, people basically not getting their drugs. And the prescriptions not being followed through on and, and so on and so forth. And, and he basically said, you know, why don't, why don't you just give back the money? Something like that. And he said uh, that Simone Gold's response was basically this, that if people are upset that they're not getting their drugs, then that's their fault. She did every, everything that she could, apparently, to scrounge up as much ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine as humanly possible and get the right people in the right positions to distribute it. And then she told people, make sure that you get it quick and make sure you get it early because it will eventually run out. Well, I don't recall her saying any of that, but not, not publicly anyway. Um, but either way, she basically just said, again, if, if people didn't end up with their drugs or, you know, it didn't pay out for them, then that's their fault. To which the response really should be, well, then why didn't you give back the money? If, if people are paying for, this, for the prescriptions, which had to be uh, apparently had first, which again, ran about anywhere from 60 to $80 just for the prescription, and then you would pay whatever, another 80 some odd dollars for the drugs to show up. So you're talking 160 total, give or take. If people aren't being called and weren't being called over the phone, because again, I, I myself ran through the process, so I knew exactly how the process worked. And I watched the process break down in real time. And again, I thought to myself again, if it's not paying out, then why don't you just provide refunds? 
You have the people's email addresses. You have their personal information. Why not just, why not just provide the refunds? And I think that was kind of the major question there going forward because, again, it seems like you would do that, but that's not what happened. They just kept the money. They were keeping the money for, again, the drugs that weren't, that weren't being distributed. They were keeping the money for the prescriptions that weren't being followed through on. That's, that's an issue. So, yeah, that's stealing. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's just stealing. So recently, however, here's what AJ sent me. He said uh, he read that, that Substack article that I just referenced earlier, said it was an excellent piece. And then he said this. Uh, let's see here. Quote, from the group chat, a female friend who is hells the, I don't know what that means. That's all right. Uh, medical freedom, quote unquote, nonprofits and volunteers for free. Anything in brackets is inserted by me for clarification purposes. I'm just going to read this one quote, um, well, two quotes, actually, from this particular individual that he's referencing. She said this, apparently, quote, and apparently she had an interaction with Simone Gold, too. Go figure. It says, quote, Gold was not good at shaking hands and kissing babies. At some point, she just became above it all. I remember speaking right before she did in San Francisco in front of City Hall, and she buzzed past me for her speech and, buzz, and buzzed past me again, getting right back in the brand new Mercedes Sprinter where John Strand was waiting for her. I texted her that evening and told her that she gave a great speech, and all she did was text back T.Y. Though she absolutely knew me and had actually given me props when she spoke at Calvary, which is the name of that church that, uh, yeah, where Gold is going to speak again, like I said in the last episode. She continued and said, quote, she told the crowd I was one of her legal advisors, which shocked me. That was based on an hour and a half call I had with her and Leah Dundas uh, when they were still getting along where I explained the Achilles heel of the entire narrative to them and why the other approaches would not have as much impact. All the lawyers were really impressed. It's because I was thinking of the whole problem as a systems problem and how we could take down most of the system for the least amount of effort without spinning our wheels on things that didn't matter. The target was to go after the PCR test. Unfortunately, that was too over the target, and I strongly believe now that either Reiner Fulmick was put in place to pretend he was going to do a big suit about the PCR test, or he legitimately wanted to do a big suit on the PCR test, but was threatened out of doing it eventually. I was told by Naomi Wolf that the powers that be, quote unquote, were preventing everyone from doing a suit around the PCR because, at the least, it would bring down the entire COVID narrative. No cases. Exclamation point. In the middle. It would also bring down the entire HIV causes, AIDS narrative. And at the very worst for the powers that be and the population at large, it would lead to the fact that there is no proof that there are viruses at all. Unquote. Now before I get into that second, this second quote here from this woman, Ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how gold 
that is right there. No pun intended. No reference to Simone Gold. Uh, that's perfect because that's it. That's the whole thing. That's the fairy tale. Viruses are not real. They don't exist. This is why Clorox can get away with putting it on the front of their tube of wipes, where in the upper left-hand corner it says, kills COVID-19. And then in the middle, below the Clorox name, it says, kills viruses and bacteria, 99.9% of them. It might as well say on the, on the, on the cover of that, of that tube of Clorox, it might as well say, kills my little ponies. It kills purple unicorns with rainbow hair. It might as well say that because it's as fictitious as viruses. If the American public, ladies and gentlemen, woke up to the fact that viruses aren't real, that there's history that lays this out and endless literature that lays this out and proves this beyond a doubt, the people who believed it will throw themselves off of a bridge. The entire medical industry will collapse. You need the fairy tale. It's the lie. It's the story. That's how you hook people. That's how you always convince them of something that is not real. You need the story first, and that story has to be written by someone. It, does, it doesn't just fall out of the sky or appear out of thin air. Human beings create that fictitious story. But this right here, again, is the real fight. This is the civil war now that has been going on for quite some time, but has come to the surface within the medical industry, which is you have individuals in the, I'm using finger quotes here, the quote-unquote freedom movement, as these people call it. And that's just, it's terrible. I hate that line. I hate it. <laughs> I just hate it. The freedom movement. No, it's just, it's, it's not a slogan. Uh, you know, people who create those lines, I'm telling you, they just want to profit from them. It's terrible. But either way, that aside for a minute, that, that of course is the entire purpose of all of this here. It's just to tell, it's just telling the truth. There's no freedom movement. It's just, let's just tell the truth. Let's shed the skin of the lies that we've been bred into and born into our entire existence. Let's get rid of it. Let's read. Let's go back in time. And let's examine the fact that viruses are not real. But the civil war in the medical industry, you have these individuals on our seeming side, so to speak. And, they're, and again, they're at odds with one another. You have Dr. Polevsky, who knows that viruses aren't real. And you have Dr. Malone, who thinks viruses are real. You have Dr. Lee Merritt, who knows that viruses aren't real. And then you have Ryan Cole and... Uh, Pick one, Simone Gold and Mikeovitz and lots of these other people that think that viruses are real. Dr. McCullough, viruses are real. Virology is a real thing. No, it isn't. No, it's not. There's just poison. And I've been through all the ways that you put poison into your body. The fastest way is you inject it directly into your bloodstream. That's the fastest way to get poison, quote unquote, viruses into your bloodstream. If that narrative collapses, everybody's out of a job. Which again, the reason 
that the people in the medical industry aren't learning that viruses aren't real is because they want to maintain their medical license. Because if they lose their medical license, it's game over. If they even bring up viruses aren't real or even start to question it, the powers that be that hold the license over their head will snatch it away from them in the blink of an eye. They're still playing the corrupt game that they're claiming that they want to do away with as they profit from it at the exact same time. I detest these people. I want to make that abundantly clear. I detest them. I do not like anybody who seeks to profit off of maintaining a lie because they themselves don't want to learn the truth. Those people can go straight to hell, as far as I'm concerned. It's disgusting. But Sean, I got to keep a roof over my head and I got to, you know, I I got to, I got to, I got to pay the bills and, you know, I'm a medical doctor. I want to help people. So, you know, whatever. And then cognitive dissonance kicks in and then they're done. And then they don't want, they don't want anything to do with it. All those slides they show and their fancy little, uh, you know, microscope images and whatever else, they're not looking at viruses. You're looking at poison. You're looking at what poison does to the human cells inside of a human body. That's what you're looking at. And because they make these poisons from dead animals and the juices that ferment inside of dead animals, that's what you're also looking at. You're looking at poisoned, dead animal cells inside of a human body. It's not a virus. Cough, cough, sneeze, sneeze, oops, I touched you. No, that's not it. Our body is insulated for a reason. The integumentary system is the largest system in the body because it is our skin. That's the way that, it, that's the way that we were developed. It's not an accident. It's a, it's a giant God-given on purpose. But you get poisons in your body quickest by injecting them in. And I'm telling you, that right there, her quote, proves that there's a line that they won't cross. The Reiner Fulmics of the world and all these other pseudo-experts. Again, Tom, Dr. Thomas Cowan has written a book about how viruses aren't real, reiterates the history about it, so on and so forth. Kate Daly knows that viruses aren't real. I heard her on Jesse James's podcast, uh, Dangerous Info Podcast, and she, she boils it down perfectly. She, she hit it out of the park. Again, this has been proven to be fake. So uh, they just can't, they can't let the story go. They have to continue to perpetuate the fairy tale, which means what, ladies and gentlemen? What does that mean for the future? If the fairy tale continues to exist, the virology lie, if that continues to exist, what's going to happen in the future? I mean, fortunately, people aren't believing these variants anymore, at least most people. That right there should be a huge red flag, that viruses aren't real. Like I said, it's on the Clorox container. That should prove to people that the companies know that viruses aren't real. That's why they can get away saying that, because they're saying that it kills something that doesn't exist. People are, you know, frantically wiping shit down all the time. Spray, 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 wipe, wipe, wipe. They're not wiping anything. They're not killing anything. And then remember back in the day when people were like, COVID doesn't exist on surfaces. No shit. No, no kidding. 
because it's not real. It's a poison made in a lab, sucked up into a tube, and then crammed into a human being. That's where it exists. It exists on a Petri dish, and then in a jar, in a syringe, and then inside of a human body. It's not floating around the air. Ugh, I know I'm angry. I know. I know how I sound. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm amped up. This kind of stuff drives me up the wall. It just drives me up the wall. Here's the last quote from the same woman. Quote, Kevin is very competitive and strategic. He is working on a pretty big plan right now, but I don't know how much of that plan involves him being a public face of AFLDS. The Kevin that she's referencing is the same Kevin who, again, is apparently the chair of the Oversight Committee and has talked with Renette Sunum and, and all of that. Uh, says he's a fantastic speaker, and I absolutely adore him and his passion. He is trusting me with more and more stuff, but I don't know if I know his full agenda quite yet, unquote. Yeah. There you go. And then again, a lot of info from... Uh, from from his other friend who, again, supports Simone Gold, but sort of sees the hypocrisy and also doesn't see the uh, blatant hypocrisy of, of what she's doing and engaging in. Again, why would Simone Gold give a speech at a church that's waving a BLM flag and a rainbow flag? That's That's basically funded and run by Jews. I mean, she's Jewish, clearly, but my point is, is that the flags alone should be a red, a red flag, should they not? Again, no pun intended. Okay. So there you go. That's my rant on that. All right. Now, shifting gears to education. And my God in heaven, is there a lot. Uh, as I'm talking to you, actually, on this particular episode, as, I, as you've heard me say and even reference in past episodes, uh, I watch the school board meetings in the town slash city where my niece and nephew go. And it's, it, again, you can look this up on, on YouTube if you're interested. It's the Westerville Board of Education meetings. Uh, their, their channel is titled Social WCS. These people, ladies and gentlemen, are arguably just the most brainwashed people I've ever seen in my life. And every time that I see a school board meeting or I watch one, they have no idea what they've done and what they're doing and what they're promoting. But as I'm talking to you now, I'm sort of working my way through this particular board meeting. Uh, there's a presentation that's being given at the beginning that is awful. And it is specifically titled, I'll just give you the title here, What is Trauma and Resilience Schools? First of all, that's an incomplete sentence. So that should tell you right there. You mean what is trauma and resilient? What is trauma and resilient schools? What are trauma and resilient schools? Question mark. Not what is trauma and resilient schools? Honest to God. Public education. Okay. It continues here, and their second slide says this. Again, I'm not going to get into the full presentation because, again, I'm not done watching it, but I'm going to give you the, the, the Cliff Notes version from what I've seen thus far. And what I've seen thus far would indicate that this school district is concerned with being more of a parent 
and having more of a parental role in these children's lives than ever before, and they're ramping it up now. They're using the old, we hear about trauma a lot, and we hear about uh, resilience, and kids need to be resilient, and we need to help them be resilient, and we need to help them as the school, you know, get over their problems, and what's going on in the home, and remind them that uh, we are here for them, and blah, 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 blah. And then they say, of course, that the vast majority of individuals who experience, uh, oh, what does it say here? Sorry. It says, why focus on trauma and resilience is another slide. And it says, the best place to positively impact children outside of the home is school. Incorrect. Incorrect. The best place to positively impact children outside of the home is anywhere where you're around individuals who should know what they're talking about. That's not going on in school. School is a brainwashing camp. It's an indoctrination camp. By the grace of God, I broke out of it. Having worked in it for 10 years, I got away. It's the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. And if you want to hear, and you know this, by the way, because you're awake and you listen to this show, you're, you're not in the matrix anymore. Congratulations. Welcome aboard. With that said, you know this like I do, that when you are awake out of the matrix and you live in the real world, you can see physically with your eyes and you can hear with your ears people who still live in the matrix. And that right there, I think, as far as I'm concerned, continues to be the hardest thing to experience. It's, it's, it's painful. I mean, it gets my, my blood pressure up. You know, I, I, it angers me. A, a thousand things. You see these brainwashed goons just going through the motions in these meetings and walking around and swearing to God that, you know, they're doing the right thing. These are the same people, ladies and gentlemen, that pushed masks on people, and yet no one's wearing them anymore. It's almost like they think that COVID's just disappeared. You see, You've, you, you know this about me, but <laughs> I talk to myself like a crazy person from time to time. And I Walter Mittied what it would be like again to show up at this particular board meeting in Westerville, Ohio, and talk to these goons and walk up to the lectern and say, okay, here's the deal. You all push masks and jabs on people. You're probably all jabbed. I'm shocked you're alive. And now you're not wearing masks. So has everybody in this brainwashed town forgotten that you all push masks on people and told everybody to wear masks and now you're not wearing them? Why aren't you wearing them? Has COVID disappeared? Has this invisible thing that doesn't exist just disappeared now to where you all feel so comfortable not wearing your masks? The hypocrisy is at face value. That's my whole point. It's at face value. These individuals, again, they're doing the exact opposite today of what they were screaming at people to do a year ago and, and I might add, kicking people out of their school and even firing them for not complying. Because no one loves using the phrase insubordinate like the education business. Oh, you're being insubordinate. Well, that's a fireable offense. And that's exactly how they got people fired. They would say, you're not wearing the mask like we told you 
you're being insubordinate. I'm going to file a complaint. Enough complaints, then you're going to be removed. That's how it gets done. People today, by the way, are still getting fired for not wearing their masks. I saw a video the other day. I put it on the war video. A guy's driving home from his job where he just got laid off. He just got fired because he refused to wear the mask outside in California on some construction site job or something like that, whatever he does for a living, whatever company he works for. Same thing. He said, I'm not wearing the mask. It doesn't do anything. Well, this is our policy. This is our policy and and this is what you have to do. He goes, I'm not doing that. You're not paying attention to the facts. Not paying attention to the facts, as you've heard me say a million times, is not a survivable characteristic. The people that don't pay attention to the facts are going to die. They will not survive. You cannot walk through life not paying attention to the facts. That's why stop signs are big, red, and it just says the word stop. If you don't adhere to stop signs, you're going to get killed. But these school board members, honest to Christ, I mean, they just don't think. I do have a positive school board story very quickly. Our uh, educator in Louisiana, she texted me and she said, get a load of this. And she was sending me school, uh, screenshots. And it was a school board that got flipped with three conservative members, apparently, and uh, they basically forced the superintendent to resign. So that's cool. I mean, they're still going to, you know, there's still going to be some weird stuff that takes place regarding the curriculum and the lying to children and XYZ, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, which that reminds me, I have another post. <laughs> I have a post at the end of my education section here, which I'm going to read, which was on Reddit. Very funny. It was on the uh, the teachers Reddit subreddit. Very, very, uh, very entertaining. Very hilarious. And I also put it in the war video too. But either way, okay. Back to the Westerville thing. The point is, this entire presentation is a woman who's standing up here who has the actual gall to say that she pays attention to the statistics. And half the statistics on her slide are from the CDC regarding trauma and you know trauma in the lives of students and whatever else. It's just more teacher training. It's more student and teacher indoctrination. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's experienced trauma. We're all in this together. Everybody get in the same boat, even though the boat is sinking, so on and so forth. They have no idea what they've done in the past. They are the trauma, aren't they? Didn't they create all of this problem? And yet they're not pointing the finger at themselves. They're saying, well, we need to do better. and We need to just continuously improve. When are they going to accept responsibility for getting children killed? When are they going to accept responsibility for believing things that aren't real? When are they going to accept responsibility for anything they've done ever? They don't. They just don't. Which now leads me to this. This, of course, was making the rounds all last week. Uh... Miami, Homestead, whatever, Broward County, whatever the hell it is, uh, southeast Florida. Mother is pressing charges, of course, after her third grade daughter was beaten on the school bus. We saw the video. I'm sure you've seen it by now. Yeah. A couple of things regarding this, and I have a piece of audio I'm going to play where you can actually hear the mother talking. First of all, this, of course, is my wheelhouse. 
It's always been my wheelhouse, the business of violence in school, who's responsible, and XYZ. I've written about it at length, numerous books, you, you, you know that. The people who are responsible for violence in school, ladies and gentlemen, are the parents who don't know what the hell they're doing with their own children because they're not smart enough to reproduce. Well, let me take that back. They reproduce, but they're not smart enough to actually raise a young person to be an adult. Okay, that's number one. Number two, the biggest problem with violence in school and the number one cause or number one close number two cause of violence in school are the people who work inside of the building. It's the employees. They are the problem. The school board, the superintendent, you go up and down that ladder as much as you want. It's all of them. They're all responsible. And the reason that you get violence in a lot of cases is not just because of what goes on in society. You get violence because violence is a physical and emotional reaction to confusion. It's confusion and a lack of knowledge. So ask yourself this question. Where does confusion and a lack of knowledge exist most predominantly in the United States? Find that location, and that's where you will have the most crime. That's where you'll have the most murder, rape, torture, etc., etc., where there are the least amount of brains, the least amount of thinking. This is where you have violence, but it's also happening in schools. So wrap your head around that one, because again, the lying that goes on in schools regarding curriculum creates confusion. You've heard me say it a thousand times, too, that the valedictorian of a school or a district, whether it's just one per year or multiple per year, they're not the smartest people in the town or in the school. They're just the people who memorize the most amount of lies. But they think that they're the best because they have the best grades. No, they're not. They're not the brightest. They're not the smartest. Most people don't like memorizing lies. That's why you have social disruption. That's why you have chaos. And that's why you have violence. Now, this particular school is a K through 8 quote unquote academy. And that's what it's. That's its actual title. The, the, the word academy is in the title of the school. What is interesting about that is that nine times out of ten, when you hear the name academy associated with a K-12 school, it's either a charter school, in many cases, nine, nine out of ten, or it's, a, uh, it's an alternative school for, for students who are not civil and can't understand the basic dynamics of a regular K-12 school, essentially. So they get thrown into a academy. I don't know if that's the case in this case. Could just be a charter school. It might just, it might just be that. But either way, the name academy should always be a red flag, because when you hear the name academy, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's a good place to go to school. I, I think all of that's a giant number one. Number two, when I was younger, my parents had us ride the bus when we were in elementary school. And by the time we reached middle school, uh, riding the bus became a punishment. If we didn't do what we were told or we didn't get particular grades, then we rode the bus as a punishment. 
my parents were smart people. They knew that the bus was nuts. And we, of course, would come home from the bus and we would tell them what was going on and this, that, and the other. And again, there were times when, of course, they couldn't pick us up and couldn't drop us off. So we would have to ride the bus even if we weren't in trouble. But riding the bus was the punishment because it is a punishment. It is a social experiment gone wrong. And there is little to no accountability with what goes on 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 school buses. They are quite literally just a, a yellow caterpillar of chaos from home to prison or, you know, home to school, whatever you want to say. It's, I don't know, it's nuts. But in this particular audio, which you're going to hear, of course, uh, the mother is pressing charges, which is great. That That is happening, as she should. It's assault and battery on at least two, two minors. Um, it doesn't matter what the little kid, well, you know, what the girl said beforehand. She could have dropped the N-word for all I care. I mean, it doesn't matter. Sticks and stones. I mean, come on. Can't handle words. Too bad. Who who teaches their their sons to beat women? I mean, that's what you're watching here. You're watching family members. You're watching the the kin of family members who have apparently taught their family members that it's okay to beat to beat girls. That again is just what you're watching in the video. That's that's the whole thing. So, yeah. Anyway, here's the audio. And uh, again, the mom's ca- calling for accountability. You know, there's there's no accountability. Well, no kidding. It's a school district, and it's a smaller school. And again, it could be an alternative or a charter school. Uh, that's not uncommon. That's par for the course. This is the way that it goes. Every child has a set amount of money associated with them, thousands of dollars in many cases. Probably, probably the case here. Again, Coconut Palm, K-8 K through eight Academy. Huge red flag. But uh, even, if the, you know, even if the student gets arrested, are they going to kick the student out permanently? Well, probably not. They'll probably invite them back. May suspend them a little bit after their, uh, their stint in juvenile detention, and then they'll be right back in the classroom as if nothing happened. That right there, too, that particular practice of bringing back the most violent is why schools are violent. It's why schools are unhealthy environments, because everybody sees that person come back. Everybody sees it. Even the teachers who don't have those students see that those students are back. And they're thinking to themselves, where in the hell am I working? What is going on here? Why do I work in an environment that's letting criminals come right back into our schools? I mean, they're allowed to teach illegal aliens, for Christ's sake. Wrap your head around that one, too. But no one's above the law, ladies and gentlemen. Remember that. Democrats will lead everybody to believe that no one is above the law. Okay. Why are we letting, why are we letting the worst of the worst back into school buildings then? After heinous attacks or drug possession or weapons possession or whatever it may be. Now, I know it doesn't happen everywhere. But the point is, is it shouldn't happen anywhere. That's the point. So here's this audio from the Local 10 News in 3, 2, 1. A middle school student has been arrested and will be facing charges for savagely attacking a girl on the school bus. The victim is just nine years old. And her mom says when she told the principal about what happened, she was advised to pull her kids out of that school. Let's go to Local 10's Christina Vasquez live now for the mother's reaction. Christina. 
And we did reach out to the principal of that school to confirm that claim. We have not yet heard back from the principal. I can tell you at the end of the day, what you're hearing when you hear the mom say something like that is she's looking for accountability. I do have to warn you as we get into this story that the images you are about to see are difficult. I get a call from my friend. You need to go call the cops. You need to go to the school right away. Your daughter was beat up pretty badly on the school bus. Her daughter, just nine years old. A third grader at Coconut Palm K-8 Academy in Homestead caught on camera trying to shield her head as a boy attacked by an older kid stands over her landing blows. She cowers and then a second student begins punching her. I don't see any adult intervention at all. The victim's mom telling us in her short time enrolling her children here, she has already encountered issues of bullying and fights in the school and there is no control of the students in the school. A district spokesperson tells the students involved will be disciplined per the code of student conduct, while school's police identified one as the offender, issuing that student a civil citation. When it comes to the bus driver and aide, school transportation, they need to be held accountable for the safety of our children. The district says, quote, the incident is under review to determine whether the employee will face disciplinary Action. My goal is not to incriminate any other children. My goal is to make sure that they have the security for the kids to make sure that it doesn't continue to happen. And just a short time ago, I got off the phone with the union president that represents transportation workers here at Miami-Dade County Public Schools. And she tells me over the phone that as far as she is aware, that the bus driver and the bus aide that were on that bus did not violate any school board policy. Meantime, as many of you know, this disturbing video is coming on the heels of some recent, very violent, brutal school fights caught on cameras began to ask the or are we seeing an uptick in school fights on campuses between Miami-Dade and Broward? We're going to talk more about that coming up at Local 10 News at 6. For now, reporting live for you, Are we seeing an uptick in violent attacks in school buildings across America? It's always been this way. It's always been this way. Schools just allowed technology to enter that have cameras and recording devices. And society has taught people, unfortunately, that this is okay. That recording attempted murder and uploading it on the internet is going to get you likes, shares, so on and so forth. Who took the footage? Who took the footage of the assault, battery, and attempted murder? That person needs to go to juvenile detention. End of story. There's at least three guilty parties, including, I might add, the aide who was on the bus, which means the only reason you have an aide on a bus is because there's someone handicapped who's on the bus, or because they know that the students who are on the bus are violent. That's the only reason, only two reasons you have an aide on the bus, not to mention the bus driver. No one intervened. While a, while a attempted murder was being recorded by minors and conducted by minors. And again, for the mom to say, I'm not interested in, in incarcerating anybody or whatever, incriminating anybody, yes, you should be. That should be your number one priority right now. You should seek justice for your daughter to the fullest extent of the law. They belong in prison, if not worse, for, for beating this girl. Doesn't matter what the girl said. I don't care. Sticks and stones. It does not matter. 
And then, of course, you homeschool. That's, that's what you do. Your, your daughter can read, she can write, she can teach herself. Get on the internet, look up homeschooling programs. There's always a Becca. Remember that delightful family I described in Alaska who's having a, a joyous time? I bet none of their daughters have been beaten in the head by a criminal on a school bus. I wonder why. I wonder why. Not to mention, again, it shows a real it shows a real lack of of parental awareness to not teach your children at all. I don't care where you live, it you know, it does not matter. If you don't teach your children how to defend themselves and how to not escalate situations, how to either stand their ground or or run away or walk away, then you're failing as a parent. You're just failing. Again, this life is a dangerous one. <laughs> I don't I don't understand why parents just send their children out without teaching them anything. I mean, my brother and I were taught to defend ourselves at a very young age. Unfortunately, that sort of <laughs> blew back on both of us from time to time when we'd you know, learn how to punch and kick and do all that stuff. We'd test it out on each other, of course, and that's what brothers do. But the point is, is that there are parents that don't do that. There are parents that don't sit their children down and tell them, this is a dangerous world. That's why the Second Amendment exists. It's one of many reasons, actually. Self-defense is just one of them. Not saying a little kid should run around with a gun in their hip. I'm just, you get what I'm saying. Teach children self-defense. That's all. Seems pretty straightforward. If that would have happened in that child's life, I bet that child wouldn't be all over the internet getting their head beat in. But that's just my two cents. I could be wrong. Okay, two more education-related things here before I get into jab stuff. Uh, a little local gossip that I'm hearing about, which is super hilarious, is, uh, as you know, because I've at least brought it up on this show numerous times, but the last school levy where I live did not pass, thank God. So no one had their taxes raised and uh, property taxes raised and so on and so forth. So the school is, uh, is having a hard time figuring things out, but they're trying to figure things out. And watching the liberals all panic and scream and lie about what the alleged solutions are is super funny. Apparently what the school district has decided to do is bundle the grades into the three different elementary schools. So it's something like, basically, instead of pre-K or K through 5 being in each of the three elementary schools, they're just stacking them all together so that pre-K through first grade is in one building. And then second through whatever, third is in another building, and then fourth through fifth is in another building. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is, is the hidden aspect of education that many individuals, of course, certainly in the mainstream, would never analyze nor break down, which is why this show exists. This is the entire point, to sort of get down to the crux of the matter as to what goes on, strategically speaking, because I know what's taking place right now. What's taking place within any school district that is experiencing such such shifts and moves based on financial strain is, again, the liberal snake is eating its own tail, and they're blaming each other constantly. 
and it's a beautiful thing to watch. Watching liberals turn on one another is so fun. It's it's so fun. It you know, a huge smile on my face. Uh <laughs> it's just it's glorious. It's a glorious thing. This is how out of control these people are. This is how unhinged they are. They are not grounded in any reality whatsoever. They create their own problems and then they have no idea how to fix them because they created them. You'd think they'd know how to fix them, but they never learn. These people never learn. So here's what's happened. They've decided to do that because apparently it's going to save money and and keep teachers from being fired. I'm not sure how, but it is apparently. There were allegedly individuals uh, screaming and yelling about how it's going to cost jobs and it's going to do this and it's going to do that. And then, and then certain officials came out and said, no, that's not the case. And then, of course, they had to eat their own words. One of the things that's happening is, is you have the teachers union who is apparently leaking some of this information to the teachers, fear-mongering and telling everybody this is the way that it's going to be and it's going to be awful and people are going to lose their jobs and whatever else. And then of course that of course just stokes the flames among the teaching population. The move itself to move teachers out of the building that they enjoy being in and then moving them to another building I'm telling you what, there is nothing that pisses off a school teacher more than that because you're talking about people who are creatures of habit. And this is one of the major reasons why school teachers are some of the most brainwashed human beings on the face of the planet is because they are creatures of habit. They nestle into their little nest, they they sit right there and they don't ever want to leave. And if you disrupt that nest or rock that boat in any way, it doesn't even matter if you do it in the interest of helping somebody else. They will show you your they will show you their true colors as people because that's when they get real selfish. And then they'll just start screaming and yelling, How can you take me out of my classroom? How can you move me from one building to the next? I didn't ask for this. And they just start screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling all while trying to pick up mercury with a fork and balance in the middle of a pond or try to walk on water. It can't happen. I mean, these people just make absolutely no sense whatsoever. But they, again, they don't understand that they are the cause of their own problems. They are truly the cause of all of their problems, but, but they don't know it. They hire all these unnecessary people and then they say, well, we don't have any money. They implement all these brainwashing programs and then they say, well, why are people yelling at, us, yelling at us at school board meetings? How about you just start listening to people? How about that? If school boards and, and the people that run these districts just started listening to people and actually doing what the people wanted, things might be a little different. But they're not going to be because that's not how the environment is designed. The, the environment, again, is designed purposefully to manipulate everybody who is inside, including the school teachers and administrators themselves. Keep in mind, too, administrators, of course, make approximately twice what a school teacher makes, at least twice, depending on, of course, what the school teacher themselves is making. They're, gonna, they're just order followers. They're going to follow the orders. If the people above them tell them to do a particular thing and tell your staff about this, that, or the other, 
the staff is going to chew the head off of the administrator, not knowing that the or not paying attention to nor caring that the decisions that are actually being made are at the hands of the superintendent and the board members themselves. But it's not just these reactionary decisions that are getting made. It's the smaller decisions they make on a day-in and day-out basis that lead to these larger problems. That's what they don't understand. So, I don't know. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't fix these environments. You can't. They're designed to fail. They're just designed to fail. There's no other way around it. Let me give you an example. This is hilarious. This was a post that was, again, on Reddit, and I put it up on Gab. Uh, And it's very funny. And again, it's emblematic of a waking up process, which is great. And it's also emblematic of the entire education system and the confusion that exists within. Because again, during this whole time, you would think that if a school teacher was experiencing what this school teacher is apparently experiencing, assuming this post is real and that it wasn't written by somebody else for for you know comedic reasons, but in any case, you would think that they would start asking questions about this particular subject and maybe learning something or unlearning something. Who's who's to know? But you would think that they would do that. But like I've said before. And like I just said earlier, these are people who are creatures of habit. They're not thinking people. They're just creatures of habit. They get up, they get dressed, they wash themselves, they eat, they go to school, they do their thing, bang, 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 bang. They come home, they do this, they do that. And then they repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. But there's a, there's a shift that's taking place among youth. And we have the internet to thank for this, because if a person really spent time on the internet, you would unlearn faster than you could possibly imagine. And when you do that, you would have absolutely no choice but to show back up into a school building and teach your peers and discuss with your peers what you're learning about XYZ. Again, the smartest group of students in a school are the ones who are questioning everything around them all of the time. It's not the students sitting at a cafeteria table talking about video games. It's not the group of girls over there talking about cheerleading or whatever the hell they're talking about. It's not the table over there that's, you know, talking about the basketball game or or whatever else. And I mean, that's not it. It's the students that are asking constant questions. So here's the post. It's titled, I Can't Handle the Anti-Semitism This Year. And then the little subcategory below it is teacher support and or advice. It says, quote, teaching the Holocaust this year has been an absolute nightmare. I don't know what happened since COVID, but like half of my eighth grade boys think, think it's funny to say things I never would have expected to hear from someone their age. Why do they think it's okay? See, they're asking the wrong question. It's not why do they think it's okay to question particular things or make statements that this teacher finds offensive, which they're not offensive. They're offensive to their lack of knowledge as an individual. They're not offensive to the truth. But they're asking the wrong question. They should be asking, okay, where did you learn that? Let me read about that. Show me where you learned that. But that's not what they're doing. It then says this. (laughs) 
happen. <laughs> this is it's unavoidable. This uh, this again is a social thing that is unavoidable. This has to occur. You can't put a cell phone in every kid's hands and expect people to not learn the truth about a great many things. It says the following quote: We were watching a scene from Schindler's List, which should tell you that's the curriculum. That's what they're showing them in school, apparently. When an African American student loudly blurted out, quote, bruh, Hitler was awesome, unquote, and the entire class thought that was hysterical. Another student called the movie, quote, basically Jewish propaganda, unquote, because the director, Steven Spielberg, is Jewish, and another student agreed. I had to stop the film to give a lesson about basic human decency, which a few students resisted. I've heard everything from, quote, Hitler looked cool, to, quote, Jews actually do control everything, unquote, and multiple students actually started to debate if the Holocaust even happened. I was dumbfounded, and they spelled dumbfounded wrong. They spelled it D-U-M-F-O-U-N-D-E-D. Classic. They wrapped up with this. They said yesterday some students were laughing at Hitler quotes and saying they were, quote-unquote, based or true. I'm terrified for our future, unquote. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's just too funny. I love it. It's just great. It's so funny. They don't, un they can't ever, you know, the human mind is, is astounding, is it not? The, it, it, the capacity to believe, in particular from a, stu from a school teacher's standpoint, to believe that they have it all figured out, that they know the truth about the subject that they teach no matter what, and that there's no way that anybody, let alone one of their students, might know something that they don't know. Creature of habit. That's, that's the ongoing theme here. Creatures of habit. I'll do what I'm told. I'll teach what, uh, what's in the book. If it's somebody denies it, they don't know what they're talking about because they're a child. Creatures of habit. It keeps people from learning. It keeps people from thinking and seeing things clearly. We've all been there before. We broke out of it a long time ago, hopefully. Some, of course, people are, <laughs> are, are not waking up right now. They're digging their heels in, and others, of course, are waking up slowly. And unfortunately, for many of them, it's just too late. I don't think this teacher's going to figure it out. They're probably jabbed. They're on Reddit. Uh, they like Schindler's List, not knowing it's a work of fiction. And uh, there you go. Again, passing off, passing off fiction as, as being factual. That's the entire education system in a nutshell. That's it. Again, you can see why there's no way I'd get hired. <laughs> I mean, there's no way I'd get hired. Because I would have serious conversations about serious things in a classroom, and the system doesn't want that. Because it's not just the system you're butting up against. You're butting up against the brainwashed parents of these brainwashed children. They're the ones that will call and complain. They're the ones that will ultimately file complaints against the teacher at the district office. They're the people that will 
you know, call the principal's office and say, you have a teacher that's doing this and doing that. How dare they? And then before you know it, you're in the principal's office as an adult, as an employee, for actually teaching the truth and questioning things and, and encouraging students to learn and think. Ladies and gentlemen, I was never in the principal's office when I was a child for getting in trouble. I never was. I was in the principal's office when I was a child because the principal knew that I was going to be the one to tell them the truth about something that had taken place. They would say, well, Sean saw that fight. Go get him. That actually happened on at least two or three occasions. I would happen to be in the hallway or like one of the only people in the hallway when a particular thing would take place. And I would get called in and asked. In fact, I'll just tell you the story if I haven't already. It's kind of interesting. There was a student who went to uh, the same high school as me. He was my brother's age, but he had been held back two, twice, and he was now in my grade. Um, he could be a felon in jail. I, I don't know. He could be a horrible human being for all I know. He never messed with me. Black kid. He was, you know, he's, he, yeah, he was innocent enough in the, in the sense that, you know, he was just... He was he was raised poorly, unfortunately. He wasn't raised by either one of his parents. His grandmother was the only one in his life. I mean, you know, it's kind of a typical upbringing for some individuals. But anyway, um, what he did was is this one particular day, he uh, he came around. He was waiting around the corner for a female teacher to to make her way into the hallway where he was standing. But he saw her coming, and he waited on the other side of the of the hallway there because he was going to scare her. And she was one of the more attractive teachers in the building, and she was kind of younger, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't super young, but, you know, she was in her 20s, I think. And, uh, and he waited there, and she came around the corner, and he just jumped out in front of her and goes, Zuh! like this, and he just scares her. And she, she goes, oh my gosh. And then she flipped out. I mean, she lost her mind. She started screaming at him and yelling at him like you wouldn't believe. Don't you ever do that? What the hell's the matter with you? I mean, just lo she lost it on him. And I'm standing there and I'm watching this entire interaction and I'm saying to my, because again, I was on the security camera. I was just standing there watching it and I'm going, he, he, he just scared you. All you have to do is just invite him into your, I mean, I knew this, <laughs> it's hilarious. I knew how to manage this situation when I was a high school student, if I were a teacher which should tell you how good of an educator I was. I mean, I knew how to handle this because, again, this happened to me when I was a school teacher too. And the way that you handle it is you don't get angry and you don't scream and shout. You, you, you pull the student aside. You say, come here for a second. You get real calm. You just say, come here. I just want to talk to you. You're not in trouble. Just come here. You invite them into your room and you say, don't ever do that again. I don't do that to you. Don't ever do that again. I know you think you're being funny. I get it. Scaring people. We all do it. You know, jumping around a corner saying boo, you know, and doing all kinds of things. Ha ha ha. I get it. I get it. Please don't do that anymore. Do we agree? And then extend your hand, shake their hand, and then that's the end of it. That makes the whole thing go away. That's not what this woman did. This woman flipped. She flipped her shit. I mean, she lost her mind. And then she started screaming, shouting, and then she filled out an entire in-school suspension or out-of-school suspension discipline report on the kid. And then, that, and then that was it. So then I got pulled into the principal's office out of nowhere. Now I'm thinking I'm in trouble. 
and I'm going, and I, you know, I get the note in class and it says, go to the principal's office. So I go and I sit down and I, and I knew the guy. In fact, you may recognize him, recognize the name too. Um, his name was, let's see, I think his name was Rob Walker, if I'm not mistaken. Rob Walker was the brother of Randy Walker, who used to be the head football coach of Northwestern University, the Wildcats. Um, in fact, Randy Walker, the former head coach, he's dead now. I went to school with his kids, and he was even an assistant coach of one of my summer league baseball teams. He was a nice guy. Um, but he was, I mean, you saw him on the sidelines, you know, he was a big guy, overweight, screamed a ton. He just screamed constantly. And I remember thinking to myself, bro, like you're going to have a heart attack. Uh, he had a heart attack and died. Anyway, his brother, Rob Walker was the school principal that particular year when I was there. And Rob was a nice guy too. Very common sense down to earth. And he looked at me and he goes, Sean, you're not in trouble. He goes, I just, I just wanted to ask you about an incident that occurred that apparently you were a witness to, and, and I just wanted to get your take on it. And I told him exactly what I just told you here as to, as to what happened. I said, she flipped out. I said, he was just trying to scare. He was just having fun. I said, she overreacted big time. There was another way she could have handled it. I said, but you know, I understand, you know, she doesn't want to get scared, but she didn't have to do what she didn't have to react the way that she reacted. And he goes, I get it, Sean. He goes, thank you. He goes, I appreciate it. He goes, I knew that if I asked you, I'd get a down to earth answer. I was like a sophomore in high school. <laughs> I mean, I was 80 pounds soaking wet. And that right there is exactly, you know, how I handled that particular situation. But that right there, too, is part of the is just it's just emblematic of the entire environment. There's so much inconsistency is my overall point. It's so unhealthy. All these stories here and these news incidents that I, that I brought up in this episode, that should prove to you that homeschooling is the only way. It's the only way. Because, yes, there will be confusion, but that inner turmoil that goes on in your own mind is supposed to be there because that's you unlearning and then learning again. Just like the, you know, just like the school teacher again in the classroom showing Schindler's List. Same thing. This is a teacher who's having a hard time unlearning or even coming to grips with the fact that they need to unlearn. And they're going to have to unlearn because if they don't again, it's not a survivable skill. It just isn't. Here's the next thing. This was from The Blaze. This is insane. Again, if you need another reason to homeschool, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to submit to the court yet another exhibit. Again, from The Blaze, it is titled, School Board Asks Students to Wear a Sweater, quote-unquote, so schools can turn down the heat to fight climate change. And there's a picture here of children standing and sitting. I don't know if they're praying or what they're doing. But they're all wearing stocking caps. They all have stocking caps on their head. Again, I don't know where they got the photo. I don't know if it's linked, but it's, it's nuts to say the least. A little from this story more specifically. The Halton District School Board in Ontario, Canada, encouraged children to wear sweaters to school so that schools could turn down the heat to fight climate change, according to documents obtained by the Blaze. Students attending schools under the Halton District School Board, 
Uh, the same school board behind the infamous teacher with the prosthetic breasts. There you go. Again, this particular school is nuts. Asked students in the region to wear sweaters to school so that the temperature in the building could be turned down two degrees in hopes of, quote-unquote, preventing climate change. And then it says, quote, Our National Sweater Day, WWF, asks Canadians to turn down thermostats by 2 degrees Celsius at home, at schools, and at work to highlight the role that energy conservation plays in preventing climate change. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, in case you were also unaware, on a related and yet unrelated note, it is school board recognition month in the state of Ohio. See, these psychopaths have to recognize the hard work that they do as they ask children to bundle up in their schools to fight something that does not even exist. I, I, don't, uh, I, don't know, I, I don't know what to do. This apparently took place just over the course of one day. February 2nd is National Sweater Day. Turn down your heat and put on a sweater. Go to hell. Go to hell. These people are nuts. Oh, it is. I'm sorry. The picture of them, again, wearing the sweaters and wearing the stocking caps, that was an actual thing. It was that the, the pictures are from the school. Honest to God, the social engineering, it is overwhelming, isn't it? It's just overwhelming. Okay, shifting gears now to the jabs, but also speaking of social engineering, and I have to mention this from the very start. Uh, props to my dad. My dad called it, ladies and gentlemen. He called it, he said it would happen, and it happened. In fact, it was actually studied in a peer-reviewed Korean research journal, the Seoul National University in the Department of Psychology. In 2020, my dad verbally said it out loud, and I agreed with him. He said, The ugly people will be the ones who love wearing the masks, and the ugly people will be the ones who take them off last. They will be the last ones to take them off, because they have far more to hide than everybody else. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been scientifically proven to be the case. This is from FrontiersIn.org, Brief Research Report article. In the section Personality and Social Psychology, it is titled Post COVID 19 Still Wear a Face Mask? Self Perceived Facial Attractiveness Reduces Mask Wearing Intention. Yes, that's right. Seoul, South Korea had to study this, and they found that the Uggos wear the masks longer than the, than the attractive people do. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't, I don't even, I have to read the abstract, you know, you just have to quote, <laughs> this is just classic. This is hot off the presses too. This was from the end of January of this year. It says, quote, with the emerging post COVID era, wearing Face masks has become a domain of personal choice. Then, 
Who wants to continue wearing a mask when it's no longer mandatory? In this article, we expect to examine the role of self-perceived facial attractiveness in predicting mask wearing, intention, and its mechanism across three studies. Total, 1,030 people. Studies 1 and 2 demonstrated that individuals with high versus low self-perceived attractiveness were less willing to wear a mask due to a weaker endorsement of the belief that mask wearing enhances their perceived attractiveness, i.e. mask attractiveness belief. Study 3, it says, further revealed that this mediational association was stronger in situations where the need to deliver a favorable impression was high, job interview context, versus low, walking a dog context. Overall, We provide a novel finding that self-perceived attractiveness was significant, has rather, has significant effects on mask wearing intention via mask attractiveness belief in the post-pandemic of COVID-19. Our findings suggest that mask wearing can shift from being a self-protection measure during the COVID-19 pandemic to a self-presentation tactic in the post-pandemic era, unquote. Lord have mercy. Of course, there's no pandemic, COVID doesn't exist, that all goes without saying. However, this is most certainly a thing, is it not? Have we not seen this everywhere? When I see a mask, ladies and gentlemen, I assume you're ugly. That's number one. Number two, I assume you've been boosted. Excuse me, that's just, uh, you know, That's just my held belief. I can just make that assumption, and I'd probably hit the nail on the head every single time. It's just nuts. They they have two quotes right here at the beginning of the introduction. Quote, I can't wait to stop wearing a mask. I can't wait to show my full face in places again, anonymous internet user said. Another one said this, quote, I like to hide my face under the mask and really dread the day when mask mandates will come to an end, said the ugly person. (laughs) Honest to God, the references that they have in this study, too. Very well done. Well done. Mask wearing intention, mask attractiveness belief. Who would have thought it? My dad, as it turns out, in 2020. Nice work, Dad. to God. Oh, it's classic. Yep, the ugly ones are going to be the ones that are wearing the mask longer. You watch, it'll happen. And I was like, that's that's sound. That's sound science. I think he's 100% right. I mean, the man's a researcher, for Christ's sake. He knows what he's doing. Former researcher, he, he knows what's up. Yeah. He has a PhD in educational psychology. I, I think he had it figured out. There you go. Okay, well, there's this particular story, too. I need to bring this up. This was, of course, sad and totally expected. Um, But one of the things, of course, that's taking place here, socially speaking, when it comes to the jabs specifically, is what are the parents doing who are on social media when their child dies from the jabs? And then the parent gets ganged up on on social media because everybody's telling them, you killed your kid with the jabs. I mean, this is a thing. This, too, 
is is moving the Overton window rather quickly. And this is a phenomenon that is taking place. And it's a very interesting one. Uh, remarkably unfortunate regarding this six-year-old Ohio girl, but she died unexpectedly, quote-unquote. And then it says, her name was Anastasia Weaver. Uh, and then it says, the mother scrubbed the Facebook page after relentless attacks and finger-pointing. Yeah. Because the mom, again, a registered nurse, ironic, in Akron at the Children's Hospital. Again, you know, this is the brainwashing again. These, these mothers who are nurses, whether they be married, single, or whatever, you know, they're working in these environments, they're believing everything they're hearing, and then they take those false beliefs home, and then they spread them on their children, and case in point, they get their children killed. Uh, it's, it's horrible. But again, they also had no problem putting their own vax status on the internet, and same with their child. My child just got vaccinated. We're doing our part. You know, all of that stuff, all that social engineering stuff. They don't stop to think to themselves. And they might not even know. This is how this is how awful this is and how strong social engineering is and brainwashing of course. They don't even know that that's a thing. They don't even know that social engineering is a purposeful thing that people sit at board tables and and decide how are we going to manipulate people and they do it by the way in every line of work they do it with everything they do it with children's toys they do it with medicine they do it in education nursing you can pick anything what is it that people will like and what can we do to get them to like it how can we move them in a particular direction that will get them to buy into what it is that we're selling. Again, it's the parents that don't understand that that actually takes place, that that is a societal phenomenon too, that is always at play. It's always a variable. But yeah, this mother got her, got her daughter killed um, and had no problem getting on social media and you know, posting all of the hospital pictures and a thousand other things. It's just, it's beyond disgusting. But they would do well, again, to keep their Facebook page open and start asking questions. That's all. Just ask questions. Just ask them. If the shots are killing people, can you please provide me proof that that's the case? If the shots are killing, again, this is, you know, this is a nurse. This is somebody who works in the profession. You'd think they'd be seeing this at face value. They, they have to be seeing it at face value because, again, only the jabbed are dying. Only the jabbed are getting sick. And, of course, those who aren't jabbed who are being shed on by the jabbed, but you get what I'm saying. Just ask the question, like the Holocaust teacher in the classroom. How about you just ask? Instead of getting defensive and angry and, and not understanding, understand you don't understand. And what do you do when you don't understand something? You ask questions. Ask them to yourself. Ask them to a large group of people. That's what social media is really for, is it not? It's for asking questions. So yeah, there you go. And of course, if she was curious, she could go to the expose uh, dash news.com and find all she'd want to read. 
copious amounts of information here. And this is from Rhoda Wilson, and it's uh, from February 2nd, titled, Vaccines Have Likely Been the Primary Cause of Illness for Over a Century. No kidding. It says, quote, in 1979, the WHO and the CDC redesigned the International Classification of Diseases coding list and erased any possibility for the world's coroners to label a cause of death related to vaccination. A coroner has no code to input if he or she believes someone died of a vaccine. For over 50 years, WHO and CDC have been forcing coroners to mislabel vaccination deaths. Beyond the fact that it is likely a crime, this suppression means that, quote, informed consent, unquote, has been totally corrupt for decades. Contrary to what we have been made to believe, vaccination is neither safe for our children nor for us. Poor vaccination protocols have been the likely premier cause of illness for over a century. And it goes on and on and on. Mislabeling vaccination deaths for over 50 years. There's a giant article there. Tons of charts. Go to the expose. I'm telling you. She should have stayed on Facebook. She has learning to do. At the very least, learn for your dead child so that you don't hurt anybody else. Because if, if that woman is still in the nursing profession, and she probably is, is she still jabbing people? Is she perpetually playing the victim? Who knows? It's remarkably unfortunate, ladies and gentlemen, but it is still happening and going to continue to happen. Okay. Uh, one last thing here. I just want to jump in here at the end and mention this one thing. I meant to mention it earlier, but um, I just came across this now, so I'm going to mention this now. Education-related here, and government, of course. The House Judiciary uh, has subpoenaed the FBI's director, uh, Christopher Wray, regarding the targeting of parents at school board meetings. This is going to get interesting, I think. And I'm going to do my best to watch some of this because I think some of what will be revealed, of course, isn't going to shock any of us. We know what's going on. We, we fully understand that this was a real thing. And we know that Merrick Garland was trying to downplay the whole thing when he was in front of committees last year when he was questioned about it. But uh, here's what this says. It says, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan subpoenaed the FBI Director Christopher Wray on Friday compelling him to turn over documents and communications related to the FBI's misuse of federal criminal and counterterrorism resources, quote-unquote, to target parents at school board meetings. Fox News Digital first reviewed the subpoena, which compels Ray to turn over documents to the committee at 9 a.m. on March 1st. It says, quote, the subpoena compels Ray to produce all documents referring to meetings with U.S. Attorney's Office in accordance with the Attorney General Merrick Garland, October 4th, 2021 memo, with his memo, uh, which directed the FBI to partner with local law enforcement and U.S. attorneys to identify parental threats at school board meetings against faculty and, quote unquote, prosecute them when appropriate, unquote. It says the subpoena also demands documents related to the Justice Department's task force that focused on identifying school board threats and the FBI's role as a member of that task force. 
Wouldn't it be funny if my name was in FBI documents related to school board meetings? I would take that as a badge of honor. I'd buy myself a trophy, actually, if that were the case. So apparently this is going to happen sometime in March, allegedly. We'll see what, uh, we'll see what comes from this. Maybe nothing. Maybe a lot. Who knows? Who knows? A lot of Q posts say trust Ray, after all. We'll, we'll see if there's something to that. I mean, he seems like a loser, but who knows? It, uh, it could be interesting. Anyway, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I will catch you on Wednesday. Uh, I got an invitation to be on the show Blood Money, which is apparently a podcast and also a, uh, a Rumble-related show. And I'm going to be doing that on Wednesday. And uh, whenever that recording is done, I will bring that to you on my BitChute and Rumble channel. So, yeah. I looked into them. They seem like solid people. They uh, are going after Simone Gold also and bringing a lot of that to the forefront, which is great. They talk about a lot of corruption-related things and a lot of crime-related things. So, yeah, they said they saw my school board meeting and they, they wanted me to be on their show. I said, uh, sure, why not? So there you go. Other than that, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.